Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I am so happy and grateful to have Tammy, a.k.a. Princess Warrior Goddess, in the house today, who is passionate about helping people succeed. She's a best-selling author of From C-Student to C-Suite, a modern-day guide to business and relationships, showing how a girl with straight C's in school but straight A's in emotional intelligence became savvy in the cutthroat business world. Today, she is a LP with Halogen Adventures, angel investor, advisor, and motivational speaker. Tammy is also a guest lecturer at UCLA, USC, and Loyal Marymount, and on the board of DACA Dreamers. Tammy, welcome, and thank you so much for being here with us today. When I hear that, I feel like I'm so much smarter than I am. <laughs> All those letters. It's a lot of letters. Um, yeah. Well, C letters. So that should balance out some other interesting facts. So <laughs> let's take, remember C student. Well, there's C student in life, but C student, you know, in school. But I love how the C, the C theme stays because you have UC, USC. So the C seem to be thematic with you. Those are, I fooled them all and they let me come guest lecture. What can I tell you? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's interesting though. So did you have like, when you're, when you're a C student and you're going through, you're going through that psychology of receiving grades, having C's, what are you saying to yourself about that? Because I know in my household where I was brought up, it was very much like, if you don't get A's and you won't go to school, if you don't go to school, then you'll basically have a miserable, horrible life. And I sort of wish my parents did that. <laughs> yeah, that was literally the psychology of it. And so I, like for me, I can remember times in school where I would get like a, like a B on a report card and it felt like, I mean, I felt like I was going to throw up and because it was like, I was, I had done something horribly wrong. I was disappointing my mom, all those types of things. What was your psychology like going through that? Did you, did you still have this hardwired psychology for success or were your grades defining you? I, in my mind, I felt like I'm going to be successful because it's going to be, I'm going to figure out how to do the back door to get in. I'm going to use my personality. I just, I guess I didn't focus. I, I did, I did well when the teachers challenged me properly. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was just a combination of being bored but I just wanted to literally just pass. <laughs> um, I wanted to do well enough to get to San Diego State so I can hang out and have a good time with my friends. It wasn't, my parents weren't on top of me about my grades. I think they were just like, let her go through. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, and it's interesting because I will say both my brothers were, didn't excel in school, but they excelled in life. So what does that tell you? Um, all of us really struggle with being a C student. I have a great story about that actually with my older brother that always felt very comforting for people that struggle in school or struggle sometimes in parts of their life. Maybe I'll share it with you. Yeah, I would love to hear it. Okay. So my older brother um, is a really successful attorney. But he was a was an average student, just like myself, like I mentioned. And but he really, really wanted to be an attorney. And he once he graduated from high school, he'd gone to college and he was really, really like, how do I get there? I'm really stressed about it. 
And he ended up going to a therapist and talking about his fears. And the therapist said, he goes, I just don't think I'm going to graduate. You know, how am I going to graduate from law school? How am I going to get in? He goes, well, you, you barely graduated from college. So why don't you just barely graduate from law school? And I think, you know, by putting it in perspective, he did. (laughs) He barely graduated from college and he barely graduated from law school. And then he got to hone in on all the magical things that made him successful in life. And it was his ability to really work well with people and he was really trusting and he was funny and he was loving. And this made him a master lawyer, Mm. a master lawyer. And you know, you learn, uh, you learn on the path. So I love that the therapist just gave him, you know, some perspective. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. That is absolutely brilliant. It's amazing too how, if you were to read that on a piece of paper, why don't you just barely pass? It would seem so contradictory to what we think we're supposed to want to do. I I mean, I can't tell you how many books I've read where they'll be citing people as graduated top of their class or had the highest marks or went through, you know, blah, 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 blah. But then once you get past that, it doesn't really matter. And it's almost like in the book, it's just using it as a qualifier for this person's reputation. But then the things that are really, the really valued pieces of the person's reputation are those other parts, the personal integrity, the relationships they build and nurture, their, their sense of humor, their way to, the way to interact with people, the way to show their and demonstrate their humanity, really. And it's, it's so fascinating that a therapist would say that because it's probably the very best advice you could even get, right? Hmm. The reason he had gone to the therapist too, which I ended up going to later, I loved the way he presented advice. A friend of his, who was a fellow law student, had gone in there to quit smoking. He was wanting to quit. And he said, well, what's going on in your life right now? And he said, well, I'm about to go through finals and I've got this and I've got that. It was just this load of stress. And he goes, oh, don't quit now. Enjoy every cigarette like it's your last. Enjoy every puff. And when the stress is over, we'll worry about, we'll, we'll focus on the quitting. And it just made sense to him. And I just felt like he was so logical about the way he had gone about giving Mm -hmm. advice. And I think we, if we can find, we can make things tangible and accessible. Sometimes we think, oh, being a lawyer and we have to have all this ingredients underneath us. When that's not, everyone's path can be different to success. Everyone's path can be different. And it's giving them, I think it's giving people the, the encouragement and the belief in them to do it is probably a great, if you map that out and do some research, that if they believed in themselves and other people believed in them, then they can probably be successful. Do you think it has to be hard? The path has to be hard for someone to be successful? I think every time you take a challenge, it feels really tough. But once you get there, it feels like I can do more. It's like climbing a hill. So I think that, I do believe that trying something new feels scary. It may not be as hard. It may not be, it feels like it's defined as hard, but I think it's challenging. 
I think maybe there's a difference there, but it feels hard, but it's just, it feels scary. But once you're there, you're like, oh, it wasn't as hard as I thought. I think mm-hmm. our fear sets up the difficulty factor. How do you, how do you, Tammy, manage that scary part when you're starting a new challenge and it goes in and, and, and do you have this? Because I, I, a lot of people, when they dive into something new and they're facing with that challenge and it, it goes from conceptualization where it seems really good. And, and, you know, in our concept, there's often not the resistance, but then we start to put into practice and we run into resistance. And many people will say, oh, you know, do you, do you still run into that? And if you do, how do you, how do you wade through that hard piece of it? Well, this is a known fact because I pretty much have told the world I have imposter syndrome. So I always have to manage my fear that I'm a fraud and probably from being a C student, but I feel like I'm, I'm a fake along the process. And it's a syndrome that was diagnosed in the 1970s. And it was that feeling of being a fake and a fraud, but 70% of successful people have it. And I think you can use it to your advantage if you understand the dynamics or what you're feeling. Because if you're pushing the envelope and you're trying to make a difference or be more successful, whatever it is in your life to go to the next level, there's a good chance that it might feel scary. It might be feeling like it's, you're taking a risk. And that in turn feels like, why am I qualified to, yeah. to, do, to do this position, whatever that is? I mean, I'm sure people don't feel qualified to be a mother. Right. <laughs> um, so, and how does that, I think the second question part was, do I, so I do run into this every time. One thing I tend to do when I really want to do something that seems like a good trick that tricks me or forces me to do it is I sort of tell people I'm going to do it and then I'm holding myself accountable in that way. So I told everyone I'm writing a book. Well, I better have a book eventually, or I'm not going to be trusted that for my word. So I do that on occasion that I let, I announce that I'm going to do something. So I'm sort of pushing myself and forcing myself to do it. It's almost like you're, you're, what I'm hearing is it's almost like you're leveraging your integrity with those Mm -hmm. people, right? On following through. Exactly. And so in your value system, integrity is probably very high then, right? And I think this is really important for people listening because, right, emotional leverage is so critical for us to have these success patterns and habits. And I think so often we may not figure out how to tap into and how to use emotional leverage. So to understand that we have personal values like integrity or trust or whatever that is, that are high values for us, and then we can leverage them to with other people to get us into action. When, so, you, and you still actively do this today, and you found that you can use this imposter syndrome to your greater good, and use that to help you become successful. But you've also used it, as I understand, to find some of the things that really bring you joy, right? In the sense of helping other people out and giving and doing more, spending more time on those types of things? Uh, Thinking about it right now, (laughs) looking back, I probably was fearful being the front person because my imposter syndrome was always Hmm. in my mind. So one of the ways I would leverage 
I would become successful was making other people successful. I would bring them up and I would have them shine and I would sell the possibility of their, I would sell their success. So hypothetically, if I worked at a company, I would, I sell people first, product second. So I bring other people up and then I get rewarded on the back end. But the rewards are more than financial for me. They're, um, they're emotionally rewarding. I find it's something that we were talking about earlier today. I realized over the last couple months kind of centered me back to what brought me is bringing me the most happiness and it's helping other people succeed. And when they're successful, like I was sort of saying, it's I'm successful. I'm successful, not even by default, but it is a little bit by default. Um, and it puts me more in that comfort zone. And, you know, I'm using all the razzle dazzle and all my, all my love and all my encouragement. I'm still using all those superpowers. And it was funny because when the book came out, it forced me to be in the front. But I still like bringing other people up. It's still my superpower. It's like, it's still where I'm the most, I'm, I'm the most happy, I think. I think I realize where it's like, how do I use all that? get back to just bringing everyone else up and um and then i i get a shine i get a shine i, I get a shine extra it's like glistening i love that what's your ultimate superpower relationship building hands down when you are when you're, so when you're, I, I would love to dive into this a little bit. When you're building a relationship, it's the first time you're meeting someone and it's a, do you start first in thinking, do you think friendship first? Do you think business, business relationship first? How do you, do you define it like that when you start with relationship building? Yeah, I, I think because I have this love and curiosity for people in general and it comes, it comes easier for me mm. than it does other people. Somehow I think it's my sense of responsibility to kind of walk into a room and want to take care of everyone. Really? <laughs> yeah. So I think it's just a curiosity. How can I take care of you? How can I um, come along with me? I'm going to introduce you to everyone. I sort of walk in and just become this Insta host. And um, it's, it's, it had this weird, innate um, emotional intelligence is what made me, when I thought about my failure as a student, the C student, which I considered like bad. Um, later in life, it haunted me. Like I wasn't smart enough. Mm. But what I was good at was, I realized was the emotional intelligence side. And I think that's what ended up my superpower became relationship building. So I had just this innate ability to have people trust me. It was this likability factor and well, I genuinely like them. I genuinely wanted to walk in and take care of everyone. And that really translated to business, if you think about it. Who do you want to work with more? The one that's going to take care of you and your business and that you trust and has everyone's best interest at heart because it's the long game because the, the short game never works. Um, so the relationship building isn't just an initial, the relationship, the relationships potentially are for life. And they don't just stop when you're working together because in hard times, I'm there the same I would be when 
if you're a CEO and you're, you get canned for whatever reason, I'm right there saying, all right, what, what do you want to do next? Maybe I can introduce you to something, you know, someone, something, uh, somehow. I find it so fascinating. You know, we're at the time of this recording, it's late May of 2020. So we're in the middle of the pandemic, coronavirus, COVID-19, and how many people during what we might call quote unquote harder times seem to have almost turned away from the notion of really coming together and reaching out more and fostering deeper relationships, like building more community, building closeness. I've talked with every single one of my clients during this time and they like inevitably the first thing is, is what should we do? And I was like, God, this is a time to figure out how to love more, how to love more on your people, how to love more on your teams, how to love more on your clients, your staff, everyone. Like, how do you love more? I want to come back to that taking care of people. I think that's so fascinating. So when you're walking into a room, are you consciously thinking that, you know, and maybe not now because it's so innate, but was it something that you developed that as a, as a, as a skill set, as a habit, or was it just, that's always been who you've been? I think it's the hybrid. Like you don't want to stand around alone. You want to build your community of friends yeah. and you are potentially at a really big conference. It could be very isolating. It's a lot of pressure. People are shy Everyone has different feelings they're going through. So it's a combination of who can I, who can I make friends with so I have people to hang out with, number one. And number two, who feels like it's so, who can I, who, who is feeling like they're floundering standing alone? Because there's a good chance I could just walk up and say, hi, I'm Tammy Holzman. And everyone's relieved because it's such a scary thing. So I think it's, I think it's just for me, it's, 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 Part of it, I guess it becomes part of a sport for me because it's like I have no ch I had no choice. So I either can stand alone or I can make the best of it and in that process gain friendships. And then what ultimately happened is once I had a few people, I would invite other people to come sit with us if they were alone or how can I incorporate other people. And it really worked well because this wasn't just potential clients. This were my peers. This was people that were potentially my competitors. Mm -hmm. And I think really responded to that mentality because I wasn't looking as your competitor keep everyone away and people noticed that and they it was more like curious why why is she including everyone why is she including like her competitors because there's room for everyone and I think that resonated and people it made people want to be like curious I'm curious back right hmm. um They'd want to be curious about you or they'd want to be curious about why you were bringing everybody to the table, so to speak. It's probably everything it's, but I think that gives people like, it gives them another level of confidence. She's not worried about it. She's not concerned about her competitors. I saw my competitors as peers for life. And if they get the business, great, there's room for everyone. And what can I learn from them? Or can I refer on business if we're not taking it? So I just had a different, I probably had a different mindset because I'm a people first person and usually everything I find, I find success follows if you're genuinely like, you genuinely like people. Hmm. People will help people that like people, right? Yeah. <laughs> people were always, if I needed, you know, if I needed help, people were willing to jump in. I think that's so fascinating. And I asked, uh, full disclosure, I asked that question part out of pure selfishness because I'm totally that awkward person in the room who will, I, it's funny, like 
and I think maybe a lot of us have these splits in our personality where I can be very extroverted in one sense mm -hmm. when I'm teaching or doing my thing, mm -hmm. but when mm -hmm. I'm not, mm -hmm. if I'm in a room full of strangers, I am that total awkward person that walks around, and if I don't have liquid courage, I am going snack courage, like sitting there hanging out with the snack thing, and I cannot tell you how many use people who are going to go and be that one that goes in naturally comes in and tries to take care have bailed me out of my awkwardness over the years so I, I thank you for that yeah. and I'm curious because I'm always trying to figure out what is that mindset shift that I need to have to go in there and I've never considered that before like that yeah well first of all if that is how you feel it is good to find those other people to hang out with that are more like, let's say the, the Tammy kind of people, the me's of the world. Um, it's not a bad strategy. It's a really good strategy. Um, the, I would say the mindset is that trying to be empathetic to how people are feeling. And we're, even when we think people like you are super outgoing because we're seeing you in an element that there's another part of you that's like paralyzed. And that's probably one of the reasons that there's that saying it's lonely at the top, correct? Yeah. Because they see them as, well, they have to be ambitious and they, they when they're speaking to the company and they're, they're pulling themselves out of their natural, right? To speak to the company, but sometimes they're totally lonely and awkward inside and they, they don't know, they're second guessing themselves after they had spoken and there's really, so really, there's a reason that it's called lonely at the top because it is isolating and they, and so, you know, mm. you should look at it as like, it's my job to keep other people company. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, I I, yeah, because look at what you want to do for people. You want to, everyone to find their happiness and find their path and encourage this. Why don't you think, take that same mentality when you walk into a large business setting and say, well, wouldn't it be great if I could it doesn't have to be about you. Like yeah. one of the ways that I diffused it from being about me was X, Y, and Z from Unilever needs to meet X, Y, and Z that's a provider and they should meet or they want to meet, you, you could be a conduit for their success, other people. So you can introduce them to the right people. So if you always put your role of adding value into a situation, it always helps. Like I always felt like thinking I, I love matchmaking, right? Relationship building. So I was, always, that's why my hashtag, my, not my hashtag, my handle for social media is queen connector. I love putting people love together. That. It makes me happy. It brings me joy. So when we're talking value add, Tammy, is value add typically, what do you, and is there one, I guess I'll preface this by saying, is there one that's more, a more valuable value add because what I usually hear is connections or doing something helping or giving something tangible and it seems that different schools of thought will have different philosophies with that have you found one to kind of be the the superseder of the ultimate value or is it is it situationally dependent I think every situation is different but you couldn't add value pretty much all day long when I like some things that just I've been doing my grandfather did this and for some reason it had stuck with me he would when there was no he well he never used the internet he's passed away a long time ago now but he would cut out articles out of the newspaper 
and he would put a smiley face on it and he would send it to me in the mail. That's it. Just like, oh, and he would put a character of his face on there. And I always just loved it because he was listening to me. He was thinking about me. And when he mm. came across something interesting, he sent it to me. So I don't know why that always had stuck with me as such a nice thing. And so I constantly, when I learn about things about people and let's say if it's in business, but I learn that their hobbies are kite surfing and I happen to read about kite surfing. I might send them an article or something that about business it could be, but like I do it randomly. I'm just, just thought you might find this interesting. It doesn't have to be overly thought. It could just be that you can really ask them how they're doing and they get to come to you about something and they can open up to you about something they couldn't open up to someone else about because you genuinely asked them about how they were doing really. There's a campaign going on, which is funny because I, this is so coincidental. We, we met by Anne-Marie and I participated in her book and my section is called, how are you doing comma really? Now, um, Cuomo and governor Andrew Cuomo is part of a campaign of asking, how are you doing really? Really? And what a weird coincidence. So the funny thing was, is that just having, knowing someone can come to you is adding value, knowing you're a safe space. It looks different all, all day long in every situation. So you can add value in a million ways. You can actually help them write an email. You could make a connection for them. You could just listen to them. There's just a million ways. Do you feel... I, so in talking with a lot of entrepreneurial type folks, the, the, the lingo, which seems to come up is automize, systematize, you know, digital, digital, digital. And, and what I hear when they're talking is they're trying to, it's like, there's this trying to remove themselves as much as possible, almost from the mm. connection piece. And what I've always found is like that connection piece becomes the piece that seems to be the most you know, in some weird way, the tangible of, of the whole process. How important is it for you or is it important for you to make yourself available, to have those touch points, to have those interactions with people? And is it something that as we continue to evolve technologically and have more of these resources and opportunities to remove ourselves from it, do you feel that that would still be something that you'd make available to people? Oh, you have to be a hybrid. If you're right now, you, you, you have to be able to do, be digital and communicate yeah. digitally, but you've got to be really, it's really, people read things differently. Um, we talk with inflection points. So I can say, shut up. Like, oh my God, wait till you hear this. Or someone's reading, shut up, you know? So it's, you just inflection points of the way we speak. And we trust people by the way they sound and how authentic they feel and, what we're feeling, even if they're talking, um, you have to be a hybrid. I mean, would you really ever do a deal with someone you haven't seen? I mean, you could if you hear their voice and you trust mm -hmm. them. Um, but it's got to be a combination because we build trust by, you know, really has to have some kind of verbal communication because we have to feel you. It just cannot be texting. Um, you, it's, I understand it's, you have to do it and it's a great way, but it's a great way to be misunderstood. It's a great way to pussy out. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm saying that, I, you know, like whatever. Um, it's just like a great, it's a great way to not 
not communicate properly. I I'm putting down myself when you say that. No, it's what, what I mean. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I started using Balsack out for stuff because okay, I think I mean, anatomically it looks way worse. Douchebag is my favorite for people that are not nice. Douchebag is my favorite, like, not naughty word. When someone's not, when someone's the low, like scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's so, you don't really need to go on. They, everyone gets it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like one of those unspoken ones where you don't you need even to define it. Yeah, done, done. Yeah. If I said up. that, people would be like, I'm like, you don't want to date him. He's a douchebag. And they're like, yeah. oh, enough said. Yeah. <laughs> this popped up in my mind exactly who the douchebag is. Enough said. I'm curious. I'm, I'm curious, Tammy, what do you, what do you value most in other humans? When you're, when you're forming a relationship, when you're forming a bond with them, what do you, what do you value most? Do you find that there's certain personality traits or, or characteristics that? Reliability. Reliability. Um, so that goes with trust. Um, caring the same way. I feel like I am. Um, caring. Um, well, empathetic. You have to be empathetic. Um, giving. Should be giving, loving. Um, I mean, those. Are, I mean, those are the ones that kind of I can go all day long of describing other things that make me happy. You know, I think approachable, but I think that goes under you know being empathetic. I think safe. I think feeling safe. Um, there's so many. There are good core values that um, you know I look at if I was interviewing for a company or thinking about working with people that I look for and those would be on the top of my list and it's interesting you ask that because part of the EQ there was a study done at UCLA and some people are like how do I become more emotionally intelligent it's in everybody um, and I think people think because it is a likability factor that maybe you have to be the funny one maybe you have to be like the one that seals the show in the room but that's not the case they did they asked characteristics at UCLA and they were the you know they were the they were the innate traits, the, you know, the, the, they were, they were the caring, trustworthy and um, empathetic. That was kind of, mm -hmm. I mean, those same things, same things I believe in, but everyone can be those things unless you're a douchebag. Um, but even a douchebag can, can make amends. <laughs> and, uh, so, you Thanks, know, girl. it's, that's, but that's what EQ, you know, so you, everyone, those likability traits aren't what people think they are. They are not your physical appearance. It's how you make other people feel it's more than anything. I think that's so empowering because there's this notion, I, you know, you'll hear people say that I can't, this is my situation, these are my circumstances, I'm not able to, I'm not smart enough, the whole dialogue that we've all wrestled with probably at some point. But to know that those things, being more caring, being empathetic, being reliable, those are traits that all of us can nurture and develop. Mm -hmm. Right, unless you're the douchebag, and even then, there's douchebag rehab they can out there. Train them if they want to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're open. I, I, I've seen it done before. Tim, I know you have a busy day, so in the interest of time, I'll just ask one more question. Yeah. Princess Warrior Goddess, where does that name come from? Oh, my girlfriend came up with this once, and it just became a term we all came up with. That it's it's girls that have each other's backs. And that we are going to forge and that we are going to just kill it. We're gonna and we're gonna do it, you know, with all our passion and and but we're we're 
it's more like Wonder Woman. We're going to also, we're going to take care of you. And so she started it and then it became, it, it evolved into the book and became this term that so many of my friends use. And she's like, oh my God, you're such a princess warrior goddess. When I do something special or I do something great with my career, it's a great way to compliment them. And I think when you're a real true princess warrior goddess, you sort of like, you, you sort of, you have other women's back. I think you're sort of a caretaker. I mean, it, all those things, but you're, you're, you're empowered. You're empowered. I love that. Yeah. Everyone, rewatch, re-listen, take some notes. This has been an incredible exploration into not only relationship building, but really the inner psychology of what it takes to form meaningful connections. Playing, not looking at the short game, which I think sometimes we enter into relationships doing, what can I get out of this person? What can they do for me? But approaching it with a long game of how can I take care of this person? How can I, how can I be a little more kind? How can I be a little bit more reliable? How can I help them win so that I can win later on. I think what a beautiful notion that is, is coming and thinking first. I love the idea of inviting everybody to the table, not only just in a literal practice, but a metaphor for life. Imagine that the dynamic that would create if we invited everybody with an equal seat at the table. I didn't share this with you, Tammy. I've, I've long been a fan since I was a little kid of the notion of King Arthur and the Knights and the round table. The idea that the round table, that nobody had a more important space. The, the king's space was no more important than anybody else at the table. And I think that's such a notion that it, we invite our competition to the table to sit with us, not as competition, but as equals. That we don't look at it as we're losing out to them, but there's something that we can learn from their success. 100%. And what a, what a great trail of breadcrumbs to start to lay out so that we can follow looking at characteristic traits of what matters most to us and how do we develop those relationships with other people and coming up with clever names amongst your friends to have a new level of celebration in life. Gosh, what a notion that is to, to make life more fun and to realize that where you began, many of us had those moments in school where we felt like we weren't enough, we weren't good enough, we weren't smart enough, and maybe we still wrestle with it today. I know I do from time to time. But just because you got a letter grade over something you know, sometimes just barely getting by in school can be exactly what you need to do to set you up to thrive in life. And the past is not here to be equal to present. Right now is unwritten. So really, you, you have the power to make this moment matter. Tammy, this has been absolutely incredible. Yeah, Thank you so your much. Your gift, that recap was like unbelievable. Get the high five? Oh, I mean, beyond. You get like 10. Oh. Like double high five. That recap was like off the charts. We had some good stuff. Yeah, there's some really good stuff. And I feel like I missed at least half of it in the recap. Oh, we, we could do this all day long. Yeah. I mean, look at that recap. Yeah. I, I, I feel like we're just getting started. That's why I said the ish. You got this. You got this. Look at you. You're a home run hitter. Oh, thank you. I mean, look yeah. at that recap. Yeah, you're, you're, you're incredible. Like you give so much great stuff. Like it makes it very, it makes it easy to recap because it's so, I think what you said is there's so much, there's, there's tactical actionables in it, but it's so heartfelt and heart centered that it's easily integratable. You know, I don't have to, I'm not having to think about it because everything you said I felt. And it's, it's just, it's something that I think that's where the real magic is, is when we can, there's a million things out there to think about and decide over it. But when you feel it, when you can feel it as truth and it feels good to hear and it feels good to imagine yourself in those scenarios and putting that in a place, I think that's where we have real power. 
And yeah, you've been absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for this today. <laughs> You're so welcome. I wish you like, well, it's going to happen. So I, I can't wait to watch your success and enjoy you flourish. How's that? I don't yeah. even wish it for you. It's going down. It's happening. Likewise, likewise. I'll have, <laughs> I'll, I'll have the first round of drinks for us for that. Yes, please do. Have one. You don't need a reason. Just do it. But I'm happy to be it. All right. We'll okay. see you next time, everybody, on another edition yeah. of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to